Hey, welcome back. My name's Danny, and welcome to the DBT Book Club. We are starting on chapter four today, part of the Dialectical Behavioural Therapy Skills Workbook. And if you're brand new here, hello, welcome. If you haven't already, pop over to the Discord channel, um, chat with us guys. You get to find out, you know, a little bit more about us guys. And also that we have a new journal club coming up, which is going to start in a couple of days time from this podcast so everything that you need to know will be in the links at the top of wherever you are listening to right now so whether you're on the google podcasts if you're on spotify doesn't matter check out the the bio or the intro or something like that <laughs> something that gives you a bit more information should i say and then you can top into the discord channel and then yeah we'll take it from there so today we are going to start from pages 85 up until page 91, yeah, just before the negative judgment exercise. So let's dive straight in. Chapter four is called the advanced mindfulness skills. In the previous chapter, you learned what mindfulness is and you also learned the basic what skills of dialectical behavioral therapy. This means that you learn to become more mindful of what you are focusing on by using these methods. And these are the four methods. So number one, Focusing more fully on the present moment. Number two, recognizing and focusing on your thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations. Three, focusing on your moment-to-moment -moment stream of awareness. And four, separating your thoughts from your emotions and physical sensations. So let's look at what we're going to learn today. So inside this chapter, this is what we're going to learn. So in this chapter, you'll be introduced to the more advanced how skills of mindfulness. These skills will help you learn how to be both mindful and non-judgmental in your daily experiences. And here are those five skills. I'm going to try and not hit the microphone with my book. Here we go. Number one, how to use the wise mind. Two, how to use radical acceptance to acknowledge your daily experiences without judging them. Skill three, how to do what's effective. Skill four, how to create a mindfulness regime for yourself in order to live your life in a more aware, focused way. And the last skill, number five, how to overcome the hindrances of your mindfulness practice. Now, I don't know about you, but doing all of those exercises last week was, to me, kind of boring. It was just... It was hard to stay focused to do them. And that's because I'm, I'm not used to actually just paying attention to everything that isn't the negative version of, of my life. So as in the last chapter, it's very important that you do the exercises in this chapter in the order that they are presented. Because each of these exercises builds on the one before it. So... Page 86, and I've actually underlined one of these sentences, and when we get to that point, I'll point it out. So this is all about the wise mind. So as was stated in the last chapter, wise mind is the ability to make healthy decisions about your life based on both your rational thoughts and your emotions. This sounds easy to do, but let's consider the traps that many people often fall into. For example, Leo was a successful salesman with a new company. He had a happy family and a fairly good fortune ahead of himself. However, Leo frequently came upset when he couldn't close a deal. And so he often felt depressed and thought of himself as a person who would never be able to fully succeed in his life. 
Despite the positive feedback he received from his supervisors, Leo couldn't shake the feelings of failure that came from deals he couldn't close. As a result, a few months after starting his job, Leo quit, just like he had quit similar jobs in the past. He went on to take a new job, but similar feelings of failure followed him wherever he went, and he never felt fully satisfied with himself. Similarly, Takesha was a popular college professor who always received high ratings from her students and other faculty members. But after a few unsuccessful personal relationships, Takesha felt very lonely. She eventually stopped trying to meet new people because she anticipated that those relationships would just end in failure too. As a result, she felt unworthy of anyone's love and resigned herself to spend the rest of her life living alone. Unfortunately, both Leo and Takesha were overcome by what dialectical behaviour therapy calls emotion mind. Now this is the sentence I underlined. Emotion mind occurs when you make judgments or decisions based solely on how you feel. Now that's very important. That is a journal topic right there. But stay tuned for that. But keep in mind that emotions when you... Let me try again. <laughs> but keep in mind that emotions themselves are not bad or problematic. We all need emotions to live healthy lives. And you'll learn more about the role of emotions in chapter 6 and 7. The problems associated with emotion mind develop when your emotions control your life. And we all know how that feels, don't we, BPDers? This trap is especially dangerous for people with overwhelming emotions because emotion mind distorts your thoughts and judgments and then these distortions make it hard to formulate healthy decisions about your life. Consider what happened to Leo and Takesha. Despite their successes, their emotions overwhelmed their lives and led them to make unhealthy decisions. The balancing counterpart to emotion mind is reasonable mind. Reasonable mind is the part of your decision-making process that analyses the facts of a situation, thinks clearly about what is happening, considers the details, and then makes rational decisions. Obviously, rational thinking helps us solve problems and make decisions every day. But again, as with emotions, too much rational thinking can also be a problem. We all know the story of the very intelligent person who didn't know how to express his or her emotions and as a result, lived a very lonely life. So here too, a balance is needed in order to live a fulfilling, healthy life. But for people with overwhelming emotions, balancing feelings and rational thoughts is often hard to do. And the solution is to use wise mind to make healthy decisions about your life. Wise mind results from using both emotion mind and reasonable mind together. Wise mind is a balance between feelings and rational thoughts. Again, let's consider the examples of Leo and Takesha. Both of them were being controlled by their emotional minds. If Leo had been making decisions with wise mind before quitting his job, he would have balanced his decision with reasonable mind. He should have reminded himself of the facts of the situation. He was already a successful salesman and he only became upset when he couldn't close a deal. Therefore, was it reasonable that he should quit? Definitely not. What about Takesha? 
she received great feedback from both her students and fellow faculty members. So was it reasonable to stop meeting new people after a few failed relationships? Definitely not. And this is why using wise mind is so important. You can develop wise mind by using the mindfulness skills you already have been practicing in chapter 3. Remember that part of what these exercises did was to help you recognise and separate your thoughts from your emotions. So you've already been using both your emotion mind and reasonable mind. And by practising those mindfulness skills even more, it will become easier to make healthy decisions based on a balance of what your emotions and your rational thoughts tell you. So now we're up to page 87. The subheading is called Wise Mind and Intuition. So according to dialectical behavioural therapy, wise mind is similar to intuition. Often, both intuition and wise mind are described as feelings that come from the gut or the stomach area. The exercise that follows will help you get more in touch with your gut feelings, both physically and mentally. This exercise will help you locate the centre of wise mind in your body. This is the spot from which many people report making sensible, wise mind decisions about their lives. Interestingly, this phenomenon of good feelings might be supported by scientific evidence. Researchers have discovered that a vast web of nerves covers the area of the stomach. This web of nerves is second in complexity only to the human brain. So some researchers have referred to this area as the etheric brain, meaning the brain in the stomach. And that really does give a whole different meaning to a man's... A man's heart is through his stomach. And a couple of phrases that I've heard. But I do know that if you have a problem with a gut imbalance, uh, with antibodies and all that jazz, that really can change how you feel. And I know if you eat too many carbs, you can get brain fog. And it really does help you think how important what we, what we consume can really affect our mental health. So this is the exercise and it's called Wise Mind Meditation. When you begin using this technique, set a kitchen timer or an alarm clock for three to five minutes and practice this exercise until the alarm goes off. Then, as you get more accustomed to using this technique, you can set the alarm for longer periods of time, like 10 or 15 minutes. If you feel more comfortable listening to the instructions, use an audio recording device to record the directions in a slow, even voice so that you can listen to them when practicing this technique. Okay, so let's take a look. This is the instructions. To begin, find a comfortable place to sit in a room where you won't be disturbed for as long as you've set the timer. Turn off any distracting sounds. If you feel comfortable closing your eyes, do so to help you relax. Now, locate the bottom of your sternum on your ribcage. You can do this by touching the bone at the centre of your chest and then following it downward towards your abdomen until the bone ends. Now, place one hand on your abdomen between the bottom of your sternum and your belly button. And this is the centre of wise mind. Take a few slow, long breaths and relax. Now, slowly breathe in through your nose and then slowly exhale through your mouth. Feel your abdomen rise as you 
Feel your abdomen rise and fall as you breathe. Feel your abdomen rise and fall as you breathe. Imagine your belly filling up with air like a balloon as you breathe in and then feel it deflate as you breathe out. Feel the breath moving in across your nostrils and feel your breath blowing out across your lips. As you breathe, notice any sensations in your body. Feel your lungs fill up with air and notice the weight of your body as it rests on the seat in which you are sitting. With each breath, notice how your body feels and allow your body to become more and more relaxed. Now, as you continue to breathe, let your attention focus on the spot underneath your hand. Let your attention focus on the centre of wise mind. Continue to take slow, long breaths. If you have any distracting thoughts, just allow those thoughts to leave you without finding them and without getting stuck on them. Continue to breathe and focus on the centre of wise mind. Feel your hand resting on your stomach. As you focus your attention on your centre of wise mind, notice what appears. If you've had any troubling thoughts, problems or decisions that you have had to make in your life, think about them for a few seconds. Then ask your centre of wise mind what you should do about these problems or decisions. Ask your inner intuitive self for guidance and then notice what thoughts or solutions arise out of your centre of wise mind. Don't judge whatever answers you receive. Just note them to yourself and keep breathing. Continue to focus your attention on your centre of wise mind. If no thoughts or answers come to your questions, just continue breathing. Now, continue to notice your breath rising and falling. Keep breathing and returning your focus to the centre of wise mind until the timer goes off. Then, when you've finished... Slowly open your eyes and return your focus to the room. And that's made me think, actually. Where that location is of wise mind, a great idea to help us to remember throughout the day to focus on that location would be possibly to wear, say, a necklace or something which has, say, a long chain or even we could just put something together and make our own little pendulum with, like, some string and, I don't know, a penny or something but something with a weight, a slight charm that could rest on that centre. So a really long necklace with a pendant or charm that rests where the wise mind centre is. And I think that by just noticing that area on your body when that charm or pendant touches it is a good reminder of our space of wise mind as a good kind of to drop you in back into that mindfulness meditation exercise to think, okay, let me think right now, what would I do with the wise mind, how would my wise mind react to this situation? So let's learn about how we actually make wise mind decisions. So now that you practice locating that wise mind center, you can check in with that area of your body before you make decisions. This can help determine if decision is a good one. To do this, simply think about the action you are about to take and focus your attention on your center of wise mind. Then consider what your wise mind tells you. Does your decision feel like a good one 
If so, then maybe you should do it. If it doesn't feel like a good decision, then maybe you should consider some other options. Learning to make reliably good decisions about your life is a process that evolves as long as you are alive. And there is no single way to do this. Checking in with your centre of wise mind is simply one way that often works for some people. However, some words of caution are needed here. When you first use wise mind to make decisions about your life, it will probably be difficult to tell the difference between an intuitive gut feeling and a decision made the old way with emotion mind. The difference can be determined in three ways. Here's the first one. When you made your decision, were you being mindful of both your emotions and the facts of the situation? So in other words, did you make the decision based on both emotional mind and reasonable mind? If you haven't considered the facts of the situation and are being controlled by your emotions, you are not using wise mind. Sometimes we need to let our emotions settle and cool off before we can make a good decision. If you've recently been involved in a very emotional situation, either good or bad, give yourself enough time for your emotions to cool down so that you can begin to use reasonable mind. Here is the difference number two. Did the decision feel right to you? Before you make a decision, check in with your centre of wise mind and notice how you feel. If you check in with your centre of wise mind and you feel nervous, maybe the decision you're about to make isn't a good one or a safe one. However, maybe you feel nervous because you're excited about doing something new, which can be a good thing. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, and that's why using reasonable mind to make your decision is also important. Later, when you have more experience making healthy decisions for your life, it will be easier to tell the difference between a good nervous feeling and a bad nervous feeling. And here is reason number three. You can sometimes tell if you've used wise mind by examining the results of your decision. If your decision leads to beneficial results for your life, chances are you used wise mind to make that decision. When you start using wise mind, keep track of your decisions and the results in order to determine if you're really using wise mind. Remember, wise mind should help you make healthy decisions about your life. Now I'm going to kind of briefly share a story, which is me having that ability of using wise mind, but then being stuck in my own emotions. And the story is very simple. I was in a long-term relationship with a partner and I had started university and I was starting to gain my own independence, as you do when you go to university. And I I realised that I wasn't being treated well by, by my partner, but because I had that attachment trauma and obviously it was guys with BPD, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to have to... I felt like for some some weird reason dating that person, even though he was abusive and he wasn't nice to me and he had cheated on me many times and I kept taking him back, I thought, hmm, something about this person, I feel like I have to be with him, but it wasn't the fact that I wanted to be with him, I just didn't want to be on my own because I was just a wounded child inside. So I remember we, we broke up and I remember I was sat in a lecture And this feeling just came over me and that would have been a wise mind feeling because I was constantly thinking about this relationship and I knew it wasn't right and I just made this decision. I closed my eyes in my lecture 
took a deep breath and I thought, you know what? The best decision for me is to leave him because I can't grow as a person when I'm in an abusive relationship. This isn't love. I deserve much better. I, be- I deserve more. And I went to my friend's house after the lecture. And I remember I was in the corner of this flat and it was a huge flat and we were overlooking Liverpool in the UK. And I was watching everyone getting off their train because we were right next to Liverpool Lime Street station. And then I saw two people holding hands and they were obviously a really cute couple. And I could see loads of couples holding hands. And I was like, wow, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And in my head, I thought, okay, I don't want to be on my own. So I had sent him a text and said, I'm coming home from university today. I need to see you. I need to talk to you. I miss you. We need to make this work. And we, me and him had been on and off for the past couple of weeks. That You could tell that I was starting to detach and he was sensing it and things were just very awkward. And then he picked me up from the station and he drove me back to his house when I got back to my hometown. And I just, in my gut, I knew I'd made the wrong... I knew that I was so close to ending the relationship and I knew that that was the right decision. And I kept thinking... But I could just go on random holidays with my friends and he wouldn't stop me. He wouldn't question me. You know, it means I can leave my phone on my table for 20 minutes. And if he calls and I miss a call, it's fine because he's not in my life anymore to be abusive because I miss his calls. But when I was sat in the car and he was driving and just his a certain album came on the ra- on our station. And it was the same album that he just kept listening to over and over again. And I hated it. I really did. And this one song came on and I was like, I have made the worst decision. I have hyped up the fact that I needed to be with this man because I saw other people in relationships leaving the station. And I thought, but I'm ready. I'm sad, but I'm ready to go out on my own and become the best version of me. And shortly after that, I broke up with him. And I didn't, I was obviously sad, but I wasn't as distraught as what I thought I would have been. Because I knew I'd made a good decision in that moment. And I knew that because I was trusting that gut feeling inside, I thought this sucks and I know it's going to hurt. And I've got to deal with breaking up with the family because, and all of his friends. And we're all very close. And then moving all my stuff back to my house. But deep down, I thought this is a good decision. This really is. And that's the story of me abusing, not using my wise mind and then realising it's there. And it is there. You will sometimes feel like you are at a crossroads in your life. And when you kind of just close your eyes and you think about the decision, you have this gut decision and I can't describe it, but you know exactly what it means. We all have it. And go with that gut feeling. If you feel like it's going to be scary for the next couple of weeks, but you know it's the best decision, then go for it. Okay, let's go back the end of page 89 to radical acceptance after my short babble. Another very important part of wise mind and mindfulness in general is a skill called radical acceptance. And we already explored radical acceptance in chapter two. Advanced distress tolerance skills, but the following description will help you understand how it relates to mindfulness skills. So radical acceptance means tolerating something without judging it or trying to change it. Remember the definition of mindfulness that we gave you in the last chapter? Mindfulness is the ability to be aware of your thoughts, emotions, physical sensations and actions in the present moment without judging or criticising yourself or your experience. 
radical acceptance is a very important piece of being mindful because if you're judging yourself, your experience or somewhere else in the present moment, you're not really paying attention to what's happening in that moment. And in many ways, judgment is the royal road to suffering. Because when you judge others, you get angry. And when you judge yourself, you get depressed. So in order to be truly mindful in the present moment, and in order to be fully centered in wise mind, you must practice being non-judgmental. I'm going to quickly nip something in there. Is if you are doing these meditational exercises and you are sat on your chair and all of a sudden you think, oh, my posture's not right, don't adjust your posture because that means you're taking yourself out of that mindfulness situation. Remember, mindfulness and radical acceptance means if you are meditating in that moment or listening to, say, one of the excerpts on the podcast, it means you are just taking it all in. You think, okay, so maybe my left butt cheek's kind of not quite on the chair by how I've sat, and maybe my right arm is kind of, I don't know, getting a bit drafty because I'm closer to the door. But it's the fact of just of just taking in and thinking, okay, my left butt cheek's fine, my right arm's fine, I'm going to survive the next two to three minutes. And then getting back into the breathing techniques. And that's being truly mindful, just accepting how your body position is at that moment. So radical acceptance might sound like a difficult skill to master, but it's definitely worth the effort. So consider this example. Thomas struggled with a problem that's very common for people with overwhelming emotions. Now, you're going to love this, okay? Because this is what we all do. He divided everyone and everything into two categories. Yes, you know what's coming next. They were either good or they were bad. And there was no in-between for him. When people treated him nicely, they were good. But when someone disagreed with him, he considered them to be bad, even if the person had just been on his good side a few minutes before. This quick fluctuation between good and bad led Thomas to make a lot of judgments and critical remarks about himself and others. Over the years, the accumulation of fluctuations and judgments made Thomas very sensitive to situations that could go wrong. He always expected that other people would make mistakes, insult him or portray him in some way. One time his sister said that she couldn't help him take his car to the repair shop and Thomas blew up at her. He criticised her for being ungrateful and selfish. However, the truth was that she had to take her own daughter to the doctor, but Thomas never heard her reasoning. He was too wrapped up in his own judgmental thinking to really listen to anybody else. And in truth, Thomas had created a pattern in his life where all of his decisions and critical thinking became realities. And this led to a very loneful and distressing life. When Thomas was finally introduced to the skill of radical acceptance, he was critical of it. This is ridiculous, he thought. This stupid idea isn't going to help me. I don't need this. How can anyone not be critical? But with the urging of his family, Thomas decided to try using radical acceptance. At first, it was very difficult for him to not make judgments about himself and other people, but he continued using the exercise in, in this workbook and with practice, radical acceptance became easier. Slowly, his thinking began to change. Thomas spent less time observing over judgmental thoughts and critical remarks, and he spent less time anticipating that other people would insult or betray him. 
he also no longer thought of people as either just good or bad. He began to recognise that everyone makes mistakes, and that's okay. He also became more mindful of his thoughts, feelings, sensations and actions in the present moment, which helped him focus better on his daily experiences and make healthier choices for his life. As you can see from this example, one of the hardest parts of using radical acceptance is recognising when you're being judgmental of yourself or others. This takes practice and the skills in the workbook will help. But recognise when you are being judgmental also takes time. You're going to make mistakes. When you're first learning to be non-judgmental, there will be times where you will be judgmental. Then you'll recognise what you're doing and you'll be further critical of yourself for being judgmental. But that's okay too. That's part of the learning process. Learning how to use radical acceptance is a lot like the story of a man who's walking down a city street and falls through an open manhole to the sewer. He climbs out, looks in the hole and says, better not do that again. By the next day, walking down the same street, he steps into the same open manhole, climbs out and says, I can't believe I did it again. Then, on the third day, he's about to step into the same open manhole when he suddenly remembers what happened on the two previous days, so he avoids the fall. On the fourth day, the man remembers to walk around the open manhole as soon as he starts walking down the street. And on the fifth day, he chooses to walk down a different street in order to avoid the problem completely. Obviously, learning how to use radical acceptance will take you longer than five days, but the process of falling into the same judgmental traps will happen in a very similar way. Below are several exercises to help you develop a non-judgmental attitude and to use the skill of radical acceptance. But before you start, let's clarify radical acceptance a little more, because it can often be a confusing concept for many people. To use radical acceptance does not mean that you silently put up with potential harmful or dangerous situations in your life. For example, if you are in a violent or abusive relationship, you need to get out, okay? Don't put yourself in harm's way and simply tolerate what happens to you. Radical acceptance is a skill that is supposed to help you live a healthier life. It's not at all to fill your life with more suffering. However, there's no doubt that it will be tough to start using radical acceptance because it will require you to think about yourself, your life and other people in a new way. But once you start using radical acceptance, you'll find that it actually gives you more freedom. You'll no longer spend as much time judging yourself and others, and so you'll be free to do many other things instead. Radical acceptance is one of the most important tools to learn in dialectical behavioural therapy, and it's definitely worth the effort. So we're going to continue tomorrow with the exercise called Negative Judgments, which is one of the first exercises to help you develop that non-judgmental attitude by using the skill of radical acceptance. So I'm going to sign off here. I hope the start of that chapter got you a bit excited to start learning how we can reframe our minds and we can stop being this aggressive, splitting BPD. And I will speak to you speak to you next week. So have an amazing time. If you are listening on the 27th of January right now, we have a journaling session which starts on Friday. So head over to the Discord channel, pull up the relevant channel, which is called Journal Group or Journal Club. And then you get to read the exercises there. And then, yeah, you get to see us all face to face, but virtually via a camera. 
and we get to really make this community grow. So have an amazing day wherever you are in the world. All the best to you and you are so much stronger than you think. All the best. Bye-bye.